to the newest bi-weekly podcast from the King's Herald. This is Living the Beam. I am Jill Adge. I'm joined today by my other two hosts, TJ Macias. Hello, TJ. Okay, this is where I go. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> King's Twitter knows how I work. Hi, I'm TJ. <laughs> and Greg Wissinger. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad we're finally filling the void and, and giving the people a, a podcast about the Kings because there was a, a, a lack of them in the market, right? And so we, we needed to step in and fill that void. I'm going to go with Greg. That's that, that. Hi, we love each other. <laughs> podcast is off to a great start. <laughs> okay, so... Did anybody get a chance to hear the post-practice um, thoughts or comments from Coach Brown, Fox, Sabonis, jumping right into it? I know he mentioned that Kevin Herter will be the starter, at least for, you know, game one or, you know, the foreseeable future. Uh, he made sure to mention that you know, he's there to coach every practice and every game. And so obviously nothing is set in stone, obviously, basically besides Fox and Sabonis and everything else is kind of a, you know, work your ass off. And um, as long as things are going well, there, there shouldn't be too many changes. But what were you guys' thoughts? Did you have any thoughts based on any of the comments that you heard from earlier today? I only I didn't see Fox or Sabonis's comments. I just saw Mike Brown's. But the the biggest thing I saw there was that he was emphasizing the defensive end. That you know it wasn't a complaint about the offense because obviously the team can score. But you know that if guys aren't bringing it on defense, that's where their spot's going to be in jeopardy. So really, kind of holding feet to the fire that he expects the team to be better than twenty fifth in defense this year. I actually didn't like. <clears throat> I was paying attention to work, which apparently that's a bad thing. How dare you? How oh, dare no. you? Here, I know when I got home, when I got home from work, I was able to catch some of it, but um, I know Sabonis talked for a while. Fox talked for a while. Fox was mentioning how he wanted to be um, one of the premier right two-way players in the league going forward. And so he knows he has to show that on the defensive side. Um, Sabonis mentioned that uh, they got yelled at pretty good in practice today because I guess they were scrimmaging and everybody made their baskets. There were no defensive stops. And so Mike Brown got on them um, for that. So Greg and I were trying to figure out is it they are just that good on offense and were making their shots or were they legitimately just that bad on defense? But um, Coach Brown yelling at him kind of leans towards the, <laughs> the second one. But I'm happy these at least like lying, you know, like lighting a fire in their ass, essentially, like we're not accepting, you know, what was okay last year, like this is year two. And if we want to keep going to where we want to go, it's make or break, like in, in terms of the defense that you have to get better. Um, is how is he going to light a fire under their asses besides, you know, literally doing that? <laughs> into the in the upcoming season and like that's the thing that you know scares me most of all considering how it was last season yeah and i can say like my only 
thought would be you're hoping that in the areas of depth, like that of the how to's of, you know, whether he, we start seeing lineup changes or anything like that. Like he mentioned, you know, adjusting starters, adjusting the eighth man on the bench, like that essentially like no one is safe if you're not doing your job. Um, so, I mean, it's pretty cutthroat, but at this point, if you want to be good, like you, it's gotta be. And so he said that he hopes they all rally together and are like, you know, I'll use the language. Fuck you, dude. Like, and we're going to go, you know, yeah. we're going to band together and, um, you know, and prove you wrong type thing that like we can do it. And so, you know, hopefully like you see that, right. That it's not like, and I think that's kind of what he was trying to do in the preseason where it's, you know, why is he messing with this? Why is he doing that? Well, these guys have to be like mentally, they have to be able to handle possible changes or what could be happening in the season. And if the worst thing that happens to you, right. Is like lineup adjustments and things like that, but you're winning. Sorry. I mean, that's, you know, it's worth it. Um, it could be uncomfortable, but if your true end goal is to win and you all sign that contract, then do whatever job you're asked. And if the end end result is the W at the end, then um, and playoffs and et cetera, then you hope that they, they accept it and can mentally handle, you know, those adjustments along the way. I do think to TJ's point though, his options are pretty limited on how to hold guys accountable. Like let's say Herder starts the season really rough on defense. Okay. Maybe he's got Chris Duarte, but if Duarte's not working or, you know, let's say it's Barnes or Keegan, that's not stepping up. It's like, is Trey Lyles that much better a defender? Sasha's probably not solving that problem. Like he doesn't have a lot of guys on the bench. You can go to that are going to be that much better defensively. I mean, he could go with like a Kessler Edwards, but you know, there's a lot of offensive limitations and, and we've seen he's willing to do it. I mean, he started Casey Hogball last season, you know, so we know he'll try whatever it takes, but I do feel like the options are still a little bit limited. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then that that's where then it leaves Brown and then goes to Monty, right. That it's like, I did all I can do. Now it's on you, buddy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've used everyone that you've given me. Now it's on you. So, I mean, to the point, like, I think he still has to, you know, do the changes and try and all that. Like we, like we saw last year, right? Like Trey Lyles wasn't even in the rotation. And then, you know, mm-hmm. now he's a core guy. Um, and so, yeah, make the adjustments. And then if that doesn't work, then, then it falls to Monty and West, and they have to then do their job of, of adjusting to, to what goes, but it will be interesting to see what kind of game, you know, like benchmarks, right? Like how long the leash, so to speak, going to be for each of these things. Or, you know, maybe the good thing is we won't even, you know, all this is a moot point and we won't even see it. You know, that's the, that's the hope, hope that, <laughs> that none of this would happen. But um, I don't think any, but any of us would be shocked if, um, if things did happen um, down the line. A lot of well, what I've noticed and like Jill will back me up on this, like watching um, the Las Vegas Aces and like taking points from the camaraderie that they have in the locker room. That is what so many different teams need to aspire to be that close in the locker room and outside it because they they practically do everything together. And I think this is what I miss most about being like off uh, uh, off the court 
in my job now since I used to be able to witness that and like see how the team reacts after losses, after wins. That is incredibly important. And that's why I remember years ago when we got Harrison Barnes that I was so happy because he he would lead the locker room in the Mavericks and you can you can physically see that. And I'm I just want like that kind of camaraderie with the aces with the kings. And like they could only be better if they had that closeness. And we know that, you know, a lot of them are that way, but a lot of times it doesn't really project on the uh, court, if that makes sense. Yeah. And to your point of the aces, I thought what Candace Parker said yesterday at the um, at the parade when she was speaking, she said, we have been ready, so we don't have to get ready. No matter who, right, who bench right like the end of it was the end of their bench yeah. right in the in, in the game four of of the finals right against the the fellow super team and you have uh, a roster that spent eight minutes together all season yep. long on the court um and they won like it and again it, it went worked. to her point of if you're already ready like you don't have to get ready like you're you're there it's next man up you're you know you're in and so um I love that. And it was funny. As soon as she said it, Becky behind her was like, yes, like that was perfect. Um, Like it was poetry. It was just like, yes, that's exactly, that's exactly it. And so um, you're just hoping from these guys that, you know, if that happens, that it. Yeah. That it, that it sticks and it stays and they need to work on that kind of relationship. But who is the leader in our locker room? Would it be Fox? I mean, like, I know we have people like inside the locker room and I can actually see this. And, but like, based on what we see alone, who is the leader in the locker room? Yeah. I mean, you're assuming it's going to be a Fox or Sabonis. Um, or maybe it's a, you know, even a Harrison Barnes. Like I don't, you know, that's the name that everyone always kind of threw around, but I do think for this team to kind of start getting to those next places, it's going to have to be one of those two guys, but I will say, Brown actually mentioned this too in, in his interview today. Um, they were kind of asking him, right? Like that, you know, the anchors on defense, like who who on the team would be calling other guys out about it, right? Like who are your yeah. voices? And so he says that, you know, he's hoping it's gonna be a Fox or Sabonis, but he said also realize like I've been in the league a long in a long time and um with the Warriors, it was Andre, right? Iguodala. And he yeah. said, and then when he was with the Cavs, it wasn't as a starter. It was Eric Snow. So, I mean, like he said, it really could be anybody. But it's, again, like you mentioned, it's got to be someone respected and that people are actually going to, you know, listen to and buy into and um, respect their voice enough to listen. And Sabonis mentioned that, too, that that he feels year two now of their chemistry and their bond, that they're able to kind of call each other out now and be like, we need more or, you know, we have to do this. You have to do this. I have to do this. It's, it's all of us. Um, but that they can kind of speak more openly with each other and not yeah. necessarily worrying about rubbing feathers, um, so to speak. And I, and I think we've seen a little bit of Fox may never be the guy calling everyone out, but he's definitely stepping up as far as his leadership, right? I mean, all the offseason work kind of taking Keegan under his wing, you know, we're seeing a lot of the things and, and him getting fired up. 
during games last year during the playoffs, you, you know, we saw them ripping into guys on the floor as they're walking off to timeouts. And you didn't see that from Fox early in his career. So we're seeing some of that growth there. I mean, he's still a, a pretty young guy and, and really just now coming into his own. So wouldn't surprise me if he's starting to take on a little bit more of that, but I don't think it's his natural go-to to be that personality type either. He's more of a quiet leader. I'll show it on the court mm-hmm. and you kind of follow. Yeah. I'll let, I'll let my work prove it. And yeah. And I'll work with you on the court and, and kind of that, in that instance, like work with me during the summers, like, do, you know, mm-hmm. hang with my family, do all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, right. it's always interesting to see the different styles that, that are presented. And he is coming, becoming more vocal and it's, and again, it's like back to the aces watching, um, Chelsea Gray, like, you know, coach from the sidelines while being injured. And, you know, you love to see that and you want to see that. I want to see that more in the NBA. Like they, they can take so many notes from like how the aces have done these last two seasons under Becky and just that camaraderie. That's what I want to see shine, especially this season. Yeah. And, and to Becky's point, she's always said, like, if you show me that, like, you can do it, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll let you have the voice and I'll let you take over. And that's one of the things that Chelsea Gray does. She will, she'll go in a huddle and she'll take the whiteboard and she'll, she'll make a play. And Becky's like, she'll, she'll throw out something better than I do. So, um, yeah. And I think that's all part of, you know, year two of Brown of, of the, the trust that they're all kind of developing, even between coach and player and all that kind of stuff. So it's, I'm excited to see the growth on how that kind of goes through all this. Right. So, okay. On to another topic. Um, if nobody has anything to add on the last one. Yeah. Greg. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So moving on to, um, another one where there now that we're kind of ending, right. Preseason opening night starts today. Did, were there any surprises from you um, in regards to the Kings preseason of what you saw, what you did not see? Anything there? Yeah, that I was sober watching some of them. <laughs> Wait. True, right? No, True. No, I, I lied. Greg, you go first. But it's a different kind of sober. <laughs> it's a so, different feeling kind of sober. It's not like I'm drowning my sorrows. It's like it was, it was I'm no, still enjoying. Oh, oh God, I was drunk at first, and then it was so bad that it made me sober. <laughs> and like, I, that's just, what, Greg, you could say things now. <laughs> the biggest thing that kind of took me by surprise is that I had no interest in it <laughs> because it just after last season, like I'm not looking for the end of bench guy that could become our next savior anymore. You know, like I know what this team looks like. I know, you know, the core all came back. There's wasn't a lot of changeover or things that I'm like, Oh, how's this going to work? Like, yeah, it's cool seeing like, Oh, Colby Jones could actually play. Like he could be useful here and there. Like that's a nice surprise from a rookie, but it's also like, he looks good, but I don't know if he'll even get minutes. Like the, the rotation's already pretty heavy. I was surprised a little bit by Sasha not being a little bit more seamless, just given some of what we'd heard uh, about him out of initial reports in training camp. And I was a little disappointed that Herder's shooting slump continued. But outside of that, it's like, let's just fast forward and get to the regular season. I'm ready to just watch the games that count and you know get back to watching the team because I have a pretty good idea what this team looks like. I, I didn't care about the preseason where the starters weren't going hundred percent and weren't playing normal minutes and the rotations were all wonky. Like 
that just didn't captivate me the way it did during years when we were looking for any glimmer of hope. How many minutes did Herder yeah, play? Yeah, I, he played 20 minutes a game. Okay. That was his average. It's not telling me how much he played total, but his average was 20.3 minutes, which oh, okay. was more than it was last year. Last year was 18.7. Back to Greg's point of kind of like watching it in a different lens this time. Um, I took it more as of I'm going to watch the young guys and I'm kind of seeing where they a piece of the puzzle of where they could fit right. And in the larger scheme of, of things of where we could fit these guys in what, regardless if it's this year, next year, what, but like, do they have the type of style that would work with Sabonis and Fox like long-term, right? If those are your, you know, knowingly two long-term core pieces, you know, will their style fit with those two? And so I kind of took at it from that lens going into this preseason way more so than the right, you're praying for a savior that, you know, isn't realistic type type thing. But, um, and I thought, you know, the young guys that they fit into that mold of, you know, from the little bit we saw of Duarte, you know, um, I thought he fit exactly of, he looked right back um, like he did with Sabonis, right? With the Pacers, his rookie year, he very much looked like he would fit right in between those two. Colby Jones extremely looked like he could fit between those two, you know, at multiple positions, um, whether it be with the starters or the bench. And so, for, and I took that for both of those guys that they look like they could be pieced in, um, in multiple situations. And so to me, that was exciting that it's like, we actually are having young players that can just be right. They don't have to be the saviors. They can just be those good fit pieces with these guys and you can organically let them grow, you know, similar to, to Keegan last year, right. He ended up being a huge, a huge piece, but he also didn't have that, you know, boulder on his shoulders that he's like, you know, trying to carry everything. And so, um, you know, we really haven't had that at all, uh, for a long time. And so I think it's really exciting that, you know, these young guys can come in and and be able to truly just grow without having all that pressure on them. Uh, sidebar, we knew this was going to happen, that Jill was going to be the expert. Even when it came to preseason, while it sounds like Greg and I were blacked out during <laughs> the entire preseason, like what, we won one game? Is that what, is that? What? Yeah. yeah, see, even Arya's and just pissed off as hell. <laughs> She's all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, I'm trying to look at what we, what our preseason looked like last year. Um, we won every game last year, right? And so that's when we started. Over and then we went 0 4. Like, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> um, and so, and so, like, this year it was like, well, we'd rather have the opposite happen. Um, but granted, the 0 4 start, they didn't look bad, right? Like they got screwed in game one on that call, you know, with Davis, you know, them with the taunting and yeah. all of that, like, you know, and we've seen worse. Um, but it wasn't like they were getting blown out. It was they were close. And so, you know, and and they truly stayed together, right? And believed and and kept it going. And so you're hoping anytime they come to that adversity this year, that you get that same kind of situation. Um, Brown today mentioned that, uh, I think it was Matt George asked him about, are they still, um, doing that five, you know, five game look ahead type thing. Um, and he said to an extent, yes, but also no, they're kind of 
going to look at it a little bit different where obviously they want to go, you know, five and O is super four and one. Hey, that's great. Three and two, they'll take it two and three. They don't want to be there obviously, but such is life. And then you focus on the next side, but they also said they're trying to not project so much. They want to focus on the now and that when you get to projecting, you can also kind of get yourself in trouble thinking of, oh, that's going to be an automatic win or that's going to be, you know, an automatic loss. Like you still want them to go through um, the motion. So it was interesting hearing that kind of switch up. Like, you know, now if these guys consider themselves a better team, you don't want them to take anyone, you know, lightly or for granted, um, things like that. So I thought that made sense. Yeah, I I mean, I, I continue to be impressed by Brown. Obviously, he came in and, and did a phenomenal job last year, but the way he's coming this offseason and has really been up these guys' asses about not resting on their laurels, you know, not just resting on last season, that they have to keep working and improving and that the goals are higher and you know, the targeted things that he has pointed to. I'm I'm happy with how he's handling it. I mean, we'll see how the team responds to it, but uh, definitely hopeful that they it works and he can keep pushing them to a higher level. And there's not a whole lot of reason to think they can't. I mean, they're young. Last year was the first year of all of this together, and they should be better this year. <laughs> like, I don't really care. That's the other thing about preseason. Like, I don't care that they went on one and four. The real games start tomorrow. And we're recording this Tuesday night. You know, how they start doing in the real games. Like, even if they started 0 and 4 again, I'm still not going to panic. But, you know, we'll kind of see how they look and what's going well and what's, you know, what's working, what's not, and how they adjust from there. Okay. But our. Yeah. And how do they, how do they look, how do they look without Trey Lyles, right? That Mm -hmm. he's officially been ruled out. And so um, what adjustments, right. Will Brown make now knowing that, that Lyles is out. Are we going to see Sasha where we might not have before? Are we not going to see him? And you, maybe you just see a lot more of Keegan and like Duarte and, you know, they, they find, you know, more minutes for, for other guys to try and, piece that in but it's going to be interesting i think to see how um he handles it in an actual game without without lyles mm-hmm. compared to a preseason it's our thing in this fandom and the whole king's fandom to panic that is our whole what everyone knows us by the like the ones who i mean because i i was panicking like the past couple years when we've been oh god I can't remember which one it was when, if it was Walton, um, God, there was one really good start. And then we went on a run that was like in December where we just lost every fucking game into January. What I'm trying to remember what season that was, if it was, uh, the season before last or before Brown got there, but it, we panicked. That's what we lost. I'm in panic. Okay, what what are your thoughts on Davion's increased three point percentage? Was it no? Was it super noticeable to you? Um, I know, obviously, we're hoping it's sustainable, right? But I thought five games worth, like that was, you know, it's not a huge sample, but it's a decent sample. I mean, it's you know, it's it's as much as we've gotten right now, but um, I thought it looked good. I thought it looked good. If, like for me, it's it does look good, but there's also no pressure. <laughs> like obviously in preseason, there's no pressure when you're shooting that. But, and like, go ahead. but the pressure, the pressure is there in the sense that they told him if his shooting 
doesn't improve, then True. he's not going to get the more minutes. And so, which I, I do think why he was letting it fly, right? Like trying to prove that, Hey, I can do this, but yes, I get you that it's like, it's a different, it's a different style, right. In preseason compared to yes, a hundred percent. Like, I just don't want it to be false advertising where like, it looks, we're proud of it right now and then get our hopes up. And then can you tell that I'm a Kings fan? <laughs> like, cause everything is, Oh, it looks good here, but like a week from now, are you going to uh, screw me later? <laughs> yeah. I've turned into Tim. <laughs> this, this is what being a fan has done to me. I've turned into fucking Tim. <laughs> All right. So what did you think of, okay, Greg, do you have yeah, thoughts on it? Yes. Yeah. So the thing with David, I mean, the, the nice thing is he's not doing the like shoot it to try to hit the jumbotron anymore where it's that super high arc he was doing. Um, that is encouraging and, and makes me think that, Yes, this could be sustainable that he's got a more normal shot arc because, I mean, that shot was something he had started up like partway through last season, even like it wasn't what he had been doing beforehand. So I don't know, like he just feels like he's tinkered with his shot a lot since he got to Sacramento and doesn't stick with anything consistently. And we've seen stretches where he shoots well before. I'm definitely hesitant. I, I hope it's real. I hope it sustains. But, you know, so far in his career going all the way back to his entire collegiate career, he's had one year where he shot the three ball. Well, so there's not enough there for me to say, yes, this is going to be real and sustainable until it's been there for a while. Like I'm going to be hesitant for a while. And I will say that the, the other time he did improve it was when his college coach changed his, his shot, right? Like that was the other time. So I mean, but he's also changed a couple times since then. I think that also as you move on, right? Like another coach is going to change it and another one's going to do it like that until you get that consistency. I think you're going to have people kind of mess with it. And you also see players where they're, they're good. And then it's like, why the hell did you mess with it? Um, But I'm hoping that, you know, but I'm just saying like Baylor, he had at least a full season of it being good after, you know, they really said we're going to hunker down and, and change it. Because they told him, you're not getting drafted unless you change this and do it. So I'm hoping that that same thing applies, that it's now kind of that do or die. You're not going to get more of this unless this happens. That, you know, that threat wasn't totally there before, right? Because the Kings were still kind of trying to find themselves. Now that ultimatum's there. So I'm hoping that, you know, and if anyone's going to work hard, right, we know it's going to be him. So... I'm hoping for him with as hard as he works that it does work out for him. But yes, I mean, it's the skepticism is, is warranted a hundred percent. I mean, but we're all obviously hoping that it does, it does take, I mean, I will say since he's come here, this is probably the best the form has actually looked, you know, in terms of like the full shot itself, the motion Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, that this at least looks fluid and it's not, you know, um, doesn't look kind of pieced together, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, grasping at straws, here's hoping that, that it works, but. Well, and maybe he's got motivation because, okay, you know, in, in a year he's extension eligible. Yeah. And yeah. 
whether or not he gets an extension and how big an extension he's going to get could be determined heavily by how he shoots over the course of the season. So, you know, I, you don't necessarily want to be paying guys based on, you know, one year of performance, but if he could turn around that shot, that makes him a lot of extra money in a year. Well, and I will say this: people won't, if people out here listening are huge Davion fans, won't necessarily like this either, but if it becomes legitimate, then from Monty's perspective, perspective as a trade asset he becomes that much more valuable and as Davion has said like we know eventually he's going to want his shot right like any player would right and that's totally understandable so making this like an actual thing will only help him get to that you know Mm -hmm. that spot of where he wants to be eventually either you know and that's not saying you know he wants off the kings or anything like that like as a player I get it you know what I mean like they all come into the league wanting their shot of running a team and doing all that. So um, Mm -hmm. it just opens up that much more doors for him money wise, playing wise, team wise, all of that. And it's from an asset perspective for Monty, it it makes him that much more valuable um, as well. If, you know, if you have to use him to try and get, you know, that, that defensive stopper that we've all, you know, been asking for. (laughs) So same with Herder finding a shot. Like these are things that, yes, it'll help the team currently, but it also, you know, bolsters their their value from, you know, a front office perspective as well. So, all right. So what were your guys' thoughts on Keegan's preseason, right? So we talked about Herder's kind of preseason a little bit. We talked about Davion. Um I'm not really going to bring up Fox and Sabonis because they looked like Fox and Sabonis. So um, bringing up Keegan, you know, we're, we're seeing more from, from his game. That's exciting. It, he looked like he picked right up off from summer league and even a little bit more. So uh, I wanted to say, I, I heard on the radio, someone was saying that he had like a, he improved his vertical, like four inches or something like that. I don't know oh, if that's damn. actually true. But to me, like, it looks like he has a much bigger bounce. And that was one of the things, right, that people were worried about when he came in being drafted. And I love that after year one, like, you're already seeing the work and, the you know, the hard work that's being put into it. Um, you know, you're seeing the the results. So what were you guys' thoughts there with him? I mean, he put on muscle as well. You know, some of that's where that extra vertical comes from. But, I mean, he added a lot of muscle. He talked about that he felt like the lack of muscle kind of held him back or that he got pushed around a little bit last season. And so, yeah, I mean, he put in the work and he just looks so much more comfortable than he did his rookie year. I mean, he's kind of a more reserved guy, right? But, you know, he's looking more and more like he was when he was the featured option, you know, in college. And if he can take that step to where he's not just a, a three-point specialist for kickouts, but can also take it inside, take guys off the dribble, and that opens up a whole nother dimension for the Kings offense and really gives the Kings that third potentially elite offensive weapon to go with Fox and Sabonis. And the possibilities are really fun. Like I I'm really excited to see what all Keegan does this season. I I think it's going to be really fun. I see that his confidence level is, has gotten so much better. I mean, obviously you see that, you know, coming into different years with different players, but his confidence has like really improved uh his shooting and knowing that you know we we need to be reliable on his shooting too and that 
his confidence can really make him an X factor here. And I'm seeing that a lot more. Yeah. And, and I like that we kind of got to see so many different pieces just within, what was it? Four games. Cause he didn't even play um, one of them, but it was we, right. We saw him shooting his normal three. Yep. Um, we saw him taking step back, you know, mid range jumpers off one foot. We saw dunking over, you know, multiple people. And where last year, I feel like he was getting blocked at the rim, right? Yeah. Like that he tried the little finger roll and it's like, no, dunk it. Um, but he, it j- like you mentioned too, the confidence that it, it's just there. And I think, I think he even mentioned that him and Fox playing one-on-one every day and Fox was like, I'm never going to let him win. Like just (laughs) forcing him to, you know, to keep, to keep constantly working and, you know, wanting to get that, you know, that's where we mentioned Fox's leadership before, like you're seeing it in, in different areas there, but yeah, I mean, it's, he looks hard to stop if, if he's really hitting um all of these at that point it just you know becomes um you know then then going to the defensive side and i i still think that um for year two like his defense to me is it's not horrible like it's you see flashes of you know the the iq there of you know him at least understanding where where he needs to be he might you know do things wrong at times or get somewhere late but you can see him processing it and knowing like I knew where I was supposed to be or I got there a second late but I know I'm going to get there and you know it's not going to happen next time type thing and you still see Brown you know taking him to the side at timeouts and explaining things to him but he seems to just have a great grasp on both sides of the ball now it's just maturing in that stuff but to me he's you know by far, at least even on the de- defensive side, farther along to me than other rookies that we've had in these kinds of situations where he gets it. And it's only a matter of time before it all comes together. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And just I, I can't wait to, you know, see how he progresses this season, especially with his newfound confidence level and and, you know, Fox playing his big brother type of you know, mentor that he needs on the court. Yeah, I I don't think he's ever going to be like an elite defender, but he's smart enough that he can, you know, he'll get to where he can be in the right spot and not just have blown assignments. Like he's not going to have, you know, the, the complete boneheaded defensive lapses that we've seen from a lot of guys over the years, right? That, you know, he does, he's never going to be a lockdown. The Kings will have to figure out another way to get a lockdown wing defender, but that he can be a solid enough, especially a team defender, right? That, you know, he's, he's going to rotate. He's going to make the right plays because, you know, he's, he's progressing. He may not be there this year. We may still get frustrated from time to time, but like I said, he, he's recognizing where he should have been. He was just a step late. I believe that he's going to get to where he's then there on time like he he's a smart enough player and a hard enough worker that i see that happening yeah and he and he has shown right like at times where he can get there on time so like we know he can do it it's just making that consistent but exactly as you were saying that in my head i was like find that stopper and he is the perfect team defender right Mm -hmm. again with paired around fox sabonis him and get that get that defensive stopper at some point that we've all been talking about. And it's not like we're saying this and I know people are upset with Monty and Wes that it was, you know, it didn't happen, you know, this summer, 
but we heard the rumors. We know, you know, they know, right, that it's not like we're in La La Land where we've been in previous, you know, regimes where it's like we need this, but those guys don't know we need this. They know, they know, right? And and they were targeting it. It just did not happen. Um, yeah. But a lot of people have been targeting these names, and no one's been able to make it happen because that team is holding on to those guys, you know, for dear life. So. Um, you know, we'll see if something changes during the season, but yeah, they're, they're very much aware of what they need, which to me, yes, it's, it sucks. It hasn't happened yet, but to me, that also gives me hope knowing that they know, you know, what the missing pieces are and that they're still, you know, trying to at least get those pieces. And in the meantime, you make it work with, with what you have. So, which is not bad, (laughs) right? right? Um, you know, we're, we're blessed in that <laughs> compared to the last, the last, you know, 16 years. So at least, you know, there's, there's hope there. So. Right. Um, the lack of yeah. an elite like wing stopper may hold us back from being like title contenders, but the right. team can still be really, really good without yeah. it. And not to jump ahead of what we hope for now. for this season, but you know, like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Way to jinx it. Knock on wood. Ever again. I'm going to hug you. <laughs> like. Across the fucking causeway. <laughs> and we're not even up there, and I'll still find a way to do it. Damn it. All right. All right. So, I'll what are your guys' thoughts on Colby Jones? I, I'm agreeing. Like, I like the fact that Brown likes him and, like, sees so much potential in him coming into that. That gives me hope. And because I, I, I wasn't too thrilled with the selection. <laughs> But, um, like, seeing how much Brown has, you know, optimism in him and the way he talks about him, I I feel confident that I, I'm, I'm excited to watch him play during the regular season. Do you think he's going to play in the regular season? I... I think so. Yes. I'm hoping so. Shut up. <laughs> no, it's not meant to like throw you under the bus or anything. It's just a, a genuine question. Like, I don't know where his opportunity comes. It's not that it can't happen, but looking at people the said the same thing about people said the same thing about Trey Lyles and there he went. I think it, it might take outside forces for it to happen. And he will have to take that opportunity, you know, right when it comes but I get to your point, like right this second, I, I don't know. Like, I think it would be hard to find that knowing the amount of minutes you want to get, right? At least your top three yeah. and then piecing the rest of that out. But maybe with Lyles out, if they go small, like maybe there there is a way there. But also Duarte's back, right? Where he wasn't before. So it's going to be interesting to see how Mike cares it. But I do think it's a long season. And at some point, there's going to be an opportunity somewhere. Yeah, Greg. But something I don't want to say put Tra- it into the ether, like, a, but yeah, yeah. Like I'm just saying, Trey Lyles had to know. like beat out Chemezi Metu. Like, Colby Jones has to beat out like Herder, Duarte, Monk, like all these other guys that are are established as actually being good NBA players. <laughs> but I mean, like, there could be a time when, let's say, I don't know, crazy foul trouble or, you know, oh, sure. There, yeah, something, exactly. something happens and it's like you need to throw him in for, for I mean, we saw that with Kessler last year, right? Like, sure. I think that there's opportunity for him to kind of at least go in there for those things. Sorry, Gracie's ringing her bell. She wants to go yeah. on the balcony. But um, like there's <laughs> there's ways, I think. That okay, maybe so he could what, find it, but it's going to be interesting to see how that happens. Okay, so what are your thoughts on that, Greg? We know you. 
Oh, and Kobe. Oh, I love him. He's exactly what I thought he was going to be coming out. Um, I thought it was a steal when they got him and then a steal on that contract. That was, I mean, uh, getting him on what it's like 2 million a year is to me, how I kind of view it is, do you remember when Oklahoma city signed, um, Lou Dort to that insanely cheap contract? And then it it wasn't going to pay fruition at that point, but it was going to down the line and it has, that's kind of how I view this situation. <laughs> you might, but no, I think it could end up paying. Um, it could be a lewd dork kind of situation where um, you end up seeing that contract as a complete steal. And, you know, down the line, he ends up with a more prominent role. And it's, you know, it's, it's that kind of play out. So what yeah, I worry I, about is he just did everything that... I could have wanted. He did everything I could have wanted to see. And it was nice to see him. Sorry, great. Um, play the point, right? Like we heard that Brown said, to Keon, to um, Colby, and then I think he said it. It was to one other player off the top of my head. Oh, Jordan, that like your opportunity, you know, to possibly see something this year would to be that third point guard, right? And I thought Colby took that and ran with it. I mean, and to me, that was exciting to see too that he took that challenge and you know hit a home run with it. So, yeah. My only question is, is Colby Jones going to be this generation's Gerald Wallace? Oh, God. Just where clearly a player that we can see the talent, we know he's going to be good, but he just can't crack it because there's too much in front of him. Well, and that's I, could okay. see I mean, that's a good problem I could to see have. It this season. I could see it this season, at least. But when's the last time we've been able to say, do we have a Gerald Wallace? <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Yeah. Ooh, good points. It's been a long time since it, we had to worry about there being an opportunity for our rookies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and look at, look at, I don't know if you got to see any of the Denver game, but you know, they're, they're rookies last year who, you know, were pieced in at times, um, but didn't really get to see a lot, but they made the most of it. Game one against the Lakers, it, their whole bench, I think it was three second-year players. Um, mm-hmm. And then you had Reggie and Murray on with them. And they went out there and they took it. I mean, it was it was exciting to see. So, again, if we don't see it to fruition this year, like building the right things and, again, drafting guys that can fit into these pieces, you're, you're seeing how it can work with these guys. So, mm-hmm. um, to me – I just, after watching that, you know, the same thought with Colby was, again, it's a guy that fits into the system that you're looking for. And whether it's this year or, you know, down the line, it just seems like it can be a plug and play and, and you're off. I agree. And I didn't see the final score, but it looks like then for what I'm assuming they're interviewing Jokic. So I'm taking that as a good, as a good sign. They were pretty much up for most of the game when I saw, so I'm assuming Denver. 119, 107 Denver wins. Awesome. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. They looked good. Even with that. Yeah. The young bench, they, they were firing and they have like their Rick, their second year guys were playing defense. I mm-hmm. mean, they were, they were flying around blocking the block, blocking uh, LeBron and, just yeah, they, oh, they the, their good, second unit so. defense was swarming. It was yeah. really throwing off the Lakers. It was really cool. <laughs> like, Which is wild that, that right? Like three of them were <laughs> were in their second year. Like that's mm-hmm. wait, were they, in Denver, right? were they in Denver? 
Yeah, yes, they got it was the ring ceremony. ceremony. Oh, that's right. Whatever. Try to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <laughs> There's football on now. There is the WNBA just ended. You're a Titans fan. What do you have to pay attention to in football? You know what? <laughs> You're fucking right. I have never- and how, did they, how did they make another trade with the Eagles? I don't someone, someone had a great tweet of as soon as they saw that area code, why did they even answer? <laughs> no, but I feel like we won that trade a little bit. And like I mean, we're not talking about the Titans right now. <laughs> Well, Niners lost last night, so I don't really have any room to talk, but yeah. Oh, yeah, that was, I'm sorry for you both. Not really. Okay. All right. So everybody make sure you tune in tomorrow, right? It's the the first Kings game of the season. Um, But that's about it for today's first episode. Hopefully you all enjoyed yourself and we'll be back in two weeks to listen to more, but I'm going to throw to Greg to close it out. All right. So, yeah, just be sure to subscribe to the feed so you don't miss a new episode. We're going to be alternating weeks from the podcast uh, with Tony, Will, and Jerry Reynolds. You can also find everything over at kingsherald.com. And be sure to uh, check out the Patreon as well. We are an independent website, totally reader-supported. So uh, that's patreon.com slash kingsherald. And then you can also follow us on Twitter at the kingsherald. I'm at the Jewiz. And ladies, if you want to plug your... Twitter handles. Yep. I'm at Jalad. Uh I'm at Tailored Siren, spelled T Y L O R E D. T Y L O R. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't giggle. T A Y L O R E D. I know how to spell my name. I swear to God. <laughs> yes, that is my first name. Why do you think it, I only go by my initials? Check break. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> 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 <laughs>